Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Life today is often referred to as the rat race. There are many pressures that we face every day. There are family pressures, work pressures, the pressures of raising children in today's world, the pressures of being a Christian, the mortgage, the food bill, the worrying about retirement. The list can go on and on. We might view life as being a series of crises, and we are merely the crisis manager. It can get quite overwhelming and we can become quite tired and frustrated. So how are we supposed to deal with all of this? Once again, God has given us the answer in his inspired word. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He later said in Matthew 16 and 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We are told in Matthew 6 not to worry about what we shall eat or what we will wear, for God will provide. From these verses of scriptures, we can conclude that God wants us to depend on him. He wants our trust in him. Is this possible in today's world? I mean, after all, the Bible was written a really long time ago. Before the Industrial Revolution. Before the need of both parents to work just to make ends meet. Before the internet and our need for things to be done in an instant. And way before life became a rat race. How can we do this? Consider for a moment, if you will, what would you do if you suddenly became the person in charge? Let's say the president. What would be the first order of business? How would you go about doing it? Of course, this would just add to the amount of crisis and the amount of pressure you would have going on in your life. But consider, how would you handle it? Let's take a look at a young man that had just such a challenge. This story can be found in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. This is the story of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah took over the throne of Judah when he was just 25 years old. To say that the kingdom was in disarray, that would be a true understatement. His father Ahaz was a very, very wicked king. He had turned away from the Lord and started practicing idolatry. And if this wasn't bad enough, he had shut the temple up and forbidden the people from worshiping there. Then, of course, there were the major powers in the world at the time, Syria, Assyria, and Israel. Syria and Israel had come to war against Judah and taken a lot of Judah's people as captives and were going to make them slaves. So Ahaz goes to the king of Assyria and asks for help. 
which he gets, and thus begins to practice in Assyrian idolatry. He had built pagan altars in Jerusalem and offered sacrifices to the gods of Assyria. Then Ahaz dies and Hezekiah takes over. He reigned for 29 years as the king of Judah. Now here is a young man in charge of a nation that is disorganized and has the threat of being taken over by one of the world powers at any given time. His army was weakened, the walls of the city were weak and battered, and the people had very little interest in the royal family. So what was his first order of business? If you'll turn your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1-10. through 10. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east. Then he said to them, Listen to me, O Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God and have forsaken him, and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, and have turned their backs. They have also shut the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense, or offered burnt offering in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was against Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of terror, of horror, and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his burning anger may turn away from us. First, he did as God commanded, according to the covenant. He opened the temple and cleaned it. He reinstated the priests to tend to the temple. Now if we drop down to Second Chronicles chapter 29, verses 15 through 21, we'll see some other things that he has done. They assembled their brothers, consecrated themselves, and went in to clean the house of the Lord, according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord. So the priests went in to their inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and every unclean thing which they found in the temple of the Lord, they brought out to the court of the house of the Lord. Then the Levites received it to carry out to the Kidron Valley. Now they began the consecration on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they entered the porch of the Lord. Then they consecrated the house of the Lord in eight days, and finished on the sixteenth day of the first month. Then they went in to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed the whole house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the table of showbread with all of its utensils. Moreover, all the utensils which King Ahaz had discarded during his reign in his unfaithfulness, we have prepared and consecrated. And behold, 
They are before the altar of the Lord. We can see that it took 16 days to sanctify the temple. Then he repaired all the instruments that were to be used in worshiping the Lord. Then he instructed the priests to offer sacrifices, not just the ordinary sacrifices of bulls, rams, and lambs, but also goats, which were used as sacrifices for atonement of specific sins. Hezekiah provided these animals. He offered the sacrifices not just for Judah, but for all of Israel, as we see in verse 24. Next, let's look at chapter 30, verses 1 through 4. Now Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month, since they could not celebrate it at that time, because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient numbers, nor had the people been gathered to Jerusalem. Thus the thing was right in the sight of the king and all the assembly. What did he do next? He reinstituted Passover and invited all of Israel, not just Judah, to come and observe Passover with them. And they observed Passover and remembered all the things of the law. And Hezekiah donated a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep, so they may observe the feast for an additional seven days. Next, he destroyed all the forms of idolatry the altars to pagan gods, and instructed the kingdom to give unto the Lord as they were instructed to in the law. Think about this. Hezekiah took over a nation from his father, which had the threat of war from three different sides. His army was weak, and the city was not capable of being protected. But instead of building his army, he turned his nation back to God. He knew that if they could again find favor in the sight of God, everything else would be taken care of. Next comes the inevitable, chapter 32. The Assyrians who are threatening war encircle Judah. The first thing that Hezekiah decides to do is to divert the water from the springs around the city. He has a tunnel built, and the water was sent into the city, which ends up in the Pool of Siloam. Chapter 32, verses 4 to 6. Now he knows that they can survive since they have water, and the Assyrians will have difficulty surviving because they have lack of water. He has the walls of the city fortified, and the people prepared to make war. Hezekiah then prays unto the Lord. He asks God for help. God provides the help. He sends an angel to destroy the Assyrians. Judah is saved and the king of Assyria is killed by his three children when he returns to worship at his pagan altar. Hezekiah had done the unthinkable. He had returned Judah back to God and prospered in all that he had tried. But now comes another crisis for Hezekiah. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 8. 
In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him. Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz, to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone down. We can see that Hezekiah has become quite ill. In fact, he had boils all over him. He was dying and knew it. So what did he do? He prays to God to spare his life. And God answers him through this prophet Isaiah. Now that's pretty miraculous. But now comes the real downfall of Hezekiah. If we turn to Isaiah chapter 39 verses 1 to 8. At that time, Rodok Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold, and the spices and the precious oils, and his whole armory, and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, For there will be peace and truth in my days. His pride has caused him to forget who actually made all of these things possible. He boasts of all the treasures, and God tells him that all that he has will end up in Babylon. Hezekiah was faced with four different crises as I look through the story. The first crisis is a crisis of choice. 
he chose to return to God and God's ways. He destroyed all the idolatry in his nation. Then came the crisis of invasion. He prayed to the Lord and was delivered from the strongest nation on earth at the time. Next, he faced the crisis of sickness. His obedience to God had given him a foundation in which he prayed to God, and thus was healed from his sickness, in fact was given an extra 15 years of his life. And finally, he faced the crisis of prosperity. His pride and willingness to show off to the ungodly people was his ultimate downfall. He failed to show dependence on God. What can we learn from the story of Hezekiah? Take a look around. We live in the richest nation in the most prosperous times. Yet we are faced with the same crisis that Hezekiah faced. We have a choice to follow Jesus and his commandments. We have a choice of being able to overcome our invaders, that is, Satan and all his followers. We have the choice to be obedient to God and have a long life, an eternal life. And we face the crisis of prosperity. When we have had fortunate times, do we take the credit or give the credit to whom it actually belongs? As Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us very much. Don't we owe it to Him and His beloved Son to live our lives in a way that reflects our dependence on Him? So I ask you today, is your house in order? All God wants from us is for us to trust and obey. Hezekiah could do it. Why can't we? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about. 